Today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash atheistnomads. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash atheistnomads. We are the Atheist Nomads, bringing you history, science, politics, religion, and interviews with leaders in the atheist community. Not all those who wander are lost. Welcome to another episode of Atheist Nomads. This is episode number 35. Later in this episode, we'll be joined by Rachel Slick, who you may have seen a few months back on Friendly Atheist. I am Dustin, and joining me as always is Wesley. Howdy ho, neighbor. How's it going, Wesley? <laughs> Not bad, man. <laughs> been a while. Good to yeah. get, get, get back in here again. Yeah, we've both been quite busy, it seems. Yeah. How's that work? I mean, I've got a 40-hour every two-week job, and or one-week job, and you got no job. Yeah. What the fuck? That, I think it's that <laughs> damn atheist community taking up all of our time. <laughs> Bastards, yeah. Man, I actually spent a few days out on the coast at, uh, well, Russ's house, our, one of our, our friends of the show. Yeah. Uh, a whole bunch of us went out there. It was raining like a motherfucker. And then Saturday was just beautiful, like 75 and sunny and just amazing out on the coast of Washington. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, one of these, uh, well, I guess weekend before this past weekend, uh, I was spent almost the entire weekend at the Hyde Park Street Fair. That's something that takes place in uh, the north end of Boise. And uh, I was working at the Treasure Valley Coalition of Reason and uh, Humanists of Idaho booth. And that that fair is basically everybody you don't think of when you think of Idaho fair. Very liberal, okay. very progressive, very alternative. Uh the vast majority of the booths there uh, yeah. kind of turned my stomach a little. Uh, <laughs> there were there were so many booths advertising psychic readings that uh, one of our our members brought a whiteboard and started adding things like hug a humanist and and uh, <laughs> things like that on it as as things I could get from our our table. I suggested we add skeptic reading. Oh, <laughs> yeah, something to to. <laughs> try to provide a little bit of balance to the what 10 booths offering psychic readings <laughs> ah. uh, make make it a like a skeptic reading will pay you 50 cents per read <laughs> we actually had one person come to the booth that uh asked <laughs> what is a skeptic reading uh, we weren't prepared to actually answer that question but we did have a, a table mm -hmm. with uh literature on it and after a bit, I came back with, all right, if you'd like your skeptic reading, uh, you're welcome to help yourself to the materials on uh, on the table. <laughs> they should have done like a, just a cold reading, just based on what they're wearing, try and tell them about them. Well, the, about the themselves. idea that, that came up later was, was do a palm reading and be like, okay, I am, I'm reading here that you are human and that you masturbate. <laughs> that might not end well. They'll be like, yes. You like lotion? If it's a man, okay, guaranteed to be on. 
you look at the statistics, <laughs> all men watch porn, all men masturbate. Women, it's it's something like 60 to 80% masturbate. I think that's just the admit to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, um, moving <laughs> along. Yeah. In just one week from the date of release, uh, it will be the Light the Night, at least here in Boise. It's going to be other weeks throughout the month of October um, and other parts of the country. If you have not yet joined your local Foundation Beyond Belief affiliated Light the Night team, please do so now. Todd Stiefel is going to be doing a, and his uh, Stiefel Free Thought Foundation uh, is doing a 100% match on funds up to $250,000. So please help us take his money to fight blood cancers. And if you don't have a light the night going on in your area, feel free to donate under me. That's uh, Dustin uh, with the Boise and Treasure Valley Coalition of Reason uh, Foundation Beyond Belief team. There you go. Yeah. And uh, as always, yes, the Foundation Beyond Belief is doing good work. Um, they are they're still working on their their membership drive to try to get up to that that uh, twenty five hundred member number, and they've still got a ways to go. It's, it's a good cause to to support. At least kick them five bucks a month. Foundation Beyond Belief is a community of compassionate humanists and atheists supporting outstanding charities worldwide. Members sign up for automatic donations starting at $5 a month, then distribute those funds however they wish among the featured charities. To date, this unique humanist organization has raised over three-quarters of a million dollars to make this world a better, more humane place. We don't look to the skies for a better world. Foundation Beyond Belief is humanity at work. Learn more or join us at foundationbeyondbelief.org. And we've got some feedback. Uh, the interesting thing is both are from Canada. Eh? So we're going to start with Sean, who left us a voicemail on the voicemail line. And I'll go ahead and play that now. Hello. Um, my name is Sean. I'm calling from Canada. And you may be uh, pleased to uh, know that I have not only discovered a missing part of the Bible, but I have translated it. It is a precursor to Genesis, and the translation is as follows. The people and events described in this book are a work of fiction. Any resemblance to actual persons or events is purely coincidental. Thank you. Bye. I don't know about his... Uh... <laughs> I don't know about all of the research he put into that, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm inclined to believe him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd still want to check his sources. But, you know, yeah, personally, I've, I've, I've studied the Bible in depth with my, you know, in, in my, my uh, five years of theological studies. Um, mm. I've even read a number of passages, both biblical and extra biblical, in, in the original languages. And, uh, you know, th that, that, May very well be something that should be added to the the canon. Actually, I I fully believe that sh that this new text that he's found, uh, that Sean has found, um, should be uh, included in the canon. Um, but unfortunately, it will probably be viewed as apocryphal. Mm. Uh, it, it's sad, but I definitely think we should do our best to get that into every Bible we can. And you know, just use an ink pen when you go to the to the to any hospital or hotel, you know, just kind of tag it in there. Ink pen, make up some stickers with that. Just add it on, like right above the the beginning of Genesis, or right inside the front cover. 
And all you guys and gals, I give a challenge to put on some really red lipstick and put some kissy lips on the inside of the Bible. <laughs> and yes, I do mean guys and gals. Yes. Anyways. All right. Uh, we also got some mail from Steven. This actually came in right before we were about to start recording. So Just under the wire. Yeah. Yeah. Barely made it. But thank you very much, Steven. Uh, and again, Steven is from, from uh, Canada. Uh, as yeah. as you'll find out as we go through the the, the letter, the, the subject line was hate mail, and he wrote, "Okay, so it's not really hate mail. I'm up to show 15, uh, so I am hardly current, and so far I have quite enjoyed your podcast. I do wish to comment on show 14, however." First, let me say that I do not believe in God. I do not label myself an atheist since I don't see the need. I don't believe in ghosts, and similarly, I don't or do not feel the need to label myself as a ghostic. I am Canadian, and same-sex marriage is no big deal up here. I attended a same-sex wedding over 10 years ago, and it never really occurred to me that this was anything other than normal. You state in episode 14 that there is no valid reason to oppose gay marriage other than the ick factor. I disagree as follows. 1. If marriage is a service provided by a religious organization, and that religion does not permit gay marriage, and you allow freedom of religion, then you must respect that decision. Number 2. Since you cannot force the insert religious institution here to marriage people, if that contradicts their teaching, uh, we must be referring to a civil union. Three, since we know that calling the civil union marriage is going to cause the religious types to go supernova, why not call it something else? Give those who entered into this union the same rights and protections as married people. Heck, give them better rights. They deserve it for all the BS they've had to endure. The very fact that same-sex couples enter into wedlock is what ignites the opposition in the first place. Most religious people consider marriage to be a sacred right. In their minds, allowing gays and lesbians to wed devalues their beliefs. I believe this is to be a valid argument against same-sex marriage that avoids any mention of ickiness. Please bear in mind that I am not a very educated or smart man. Please also note that I have no strong convictions on religion, belief, or personal living arrangements. Live and let live has been the basic tenet to my life. If what I have stated in this email is based on flawed logic or incorrect assumptions, I trust you will not berate me excessively. Respectfully, Stephen. Okay. I'm I'm going to start here real quick. Okay. Uh, firstly, in this country, uh, judges can do weddings, and they're called weddings. Any you know, elected it's, official. It's not just, right. It's yeah. not just a civil union. Uh, and... I really appreciate your letter. I do definitely disagree with you on a, on a couple of points though, Stephen. Um, you keep talking about, uh, let, let religious people have weddings. Uh, problem is that not all people that are gay, lesbian, LGBT are, are atheist or agnostic. You know, that, that, that brings into my thought, my, my, my mind, the, the phrase same but different. You know, I really, that, that really bugs me personally. Um, you know what? These people, they want to get married just like anybody else. You know, there's no reason to, to change the terminology of something that's done by our, like, elected officials down here also. And, uh, hmm. sorry, man. I'm just kind of really disagreeing on a, on a couple yeah. of small points on that. Uh, and, and my objections are, are kind of similar. Uh, on point one, uh, marriage is generally a service provided by religious organizations. And in every single law that's been passed in the U.S. that legalizes same-sex marriage in any state 
hasn't ever forced any religion to perform those marriages. Just like mm-hmm. there is no law in any state in the U.S. that requires any church to marry people that it doesn't think it should marry. Uh, for for a good example, Adventist pastors are only supposed to marry an Adventist to an Adventist. They can make some exceptions for uh, close family members, but that's generally discouraged and frowned upon by the higher-ups. And many, if not most, denominations have very similar rules. Uh, I know at one point a, a relative of mine was marrying an atheist, and it took a long time to find someone who would marry somebody who believes in has some kind of vague belief in a god to an atheist. They I was found ask people. If it took an act of God to do it. <laughs> they found people yeah. that would have married them if they were both atheists or if they were both vaguely theistic. <laughs> <laughs> but they had a hard time finding someone who would officiate that marriage. No state's going to wow. force that. Yeah, uh, they have the right to be as bigoted and assholey as they want to be, the yeah. churches. Uh, and so that also well, kind of addresses number two. Uh, the, the, the flaw in the logic on, on point two, uh, if you can't force r- religious institutions to marry people that contradict their teaching, you must be talking about a civil union. Um, in the United States... Marriages are a civil institution. It is codified in state and federal law, granted certain rights, privileges, and responsibilities under state and federal law. And in the U.S., unlike uh, Canada, uh, we also have a wall of separation between church and state. So if it is written in the legal books, then it cannot be a religious institution. It can oh. also be a religious institution, but it is inherently a civil institution. One one small other point. Uh, I mean, you can get married all day long at a church, but you still have to take that paperwork and have it signed at the courthouse. Otherwise, you're still not married. That's the way I've, I've always understood it. Uh, generally, it's you go to the courthouse, pay the fee, um, apl- apply for the license. And I, what the final step is when it gets a fi- signed by the officiant. I, either way, it's yeah. it's not just a church thing. <laughs> nope. Government is involved. So I'm not sure how much different that is from Canada, though. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, I, I believe in Canada, it varies from province to province. Yeah. Um, I know at least for until relatively recently, uh, both birth certificates and marriages in Quebec were solely at the discretion of the Catholic Church. Awesome. It was purely a religious thing. Uh, the U.S. It's a bit different, <laughs> um, and so so. Granted, yeah, these are these are uh, a lot of these are issues and and differences between different countries' rules and laws and everything. Um, and with the the difference in names between civil union and marriage and whatnot, um, personally, to make the whole transition easier, I would much prefer it if marriage was just completely taken off of all the legal books. And replace with civil union everywhere. If you want to call it a marriage, call it a marriage. If you want to call it a civil union, call it a civil union. But legally, it is just a civil union. But that's not the direction people have been going. And if anybody were to try to do that, try to create anything that's not separate but equal, then and change the name to civil union, um, then you would very much um, have a case of what the religious right keep arguing that we're trying to do, and that's destroy the institution of marriage. Cool. All righty. Uh, that's it for feedback. 
on to supporters. Uh, as always, we have our platinum sponsors, our existing platinum sponsors. Um, Robert Ray from the Humanist of the North Puget Sound, Virginia Don, Russ from the Kitsap Atheists and Agnostics, and a new addition to the list this time around, Renee Davis Pelt. Hi. Uh, thank you very much, Renee, for uh, helping support the show. Um, we also have our gold sponsor, Vernware. Uh, and as a reminder, if you want to help keep the show on the air or on the, the internet, um, feel free to, to sign up as a sponsor. We've got four different sponsorship levels, uh, monthly and annual levels. Um, we also have uh, different options to, to support the show, like just one-time donations. Um, we've got uh, the Amazon click-through uh, Audible uh, trials that, that give us a kickback. And we are also you know, looking at, at other options uh, for you to get something in return for your support of the show. Hmm. Maybe we should do a cafe press. I've, I've looked at that. I've heard some concerns about their quality level. Well, there's a, there's a couple other options out there, but the same, same idea. It's not like mm -hmm. we'd be making money off of it, but you know, you guys could have something to. Well, we'd be making a little to, bit off of it. Yeah. I suppose, pennies. but still, it's more to have a little. Oh God, I hate using this fucking word swag. <laughs> right now, I'm drinking my PBR with some swag I got once from the Funky Monkey 104.9 FM down in Tacoma. <laughs> Holy shit! Are, are they still playing? Oh, I don't know. I haven't um, lived in that area in a while. <laughs> huh. They at least were when I last lived in uh, in the Puget Sound. Okay. <laughs> Well, shall we get going? Yeah. All right, let's do this shit. This day in history, September 26, 1945, the first American soldier killed in Vietnam. So, here's a little bit of uh, around-the-way story on this. Lieutenant Colonel Peter Dewey was an officer with the United States Army and assigned to the uh, Office of Strategic Services, the OSS, which is actually, uh, actually became kind of what we think of as the CIA now. One interesting point on that, uh, Special Forces also, um, dates their origins to the OSS. Nice. Uh, let's see. He was sent to search for missing American pilots in Vietnam and also to do some spying along the way while the British disarmed the Japanese below the 16th parallel. Uh, Dude named Ho Chi Minh and the Viet Minh uh, had just taken over Vietnam after World War II, which really pissed the French off, uh, since they wanted to kind of keep Vietnam as their little French colony. British Major General Douglas Gracie helped free about 1,400 French soldiers that had been in captivity and used them to overthrow the Viet Minh government. Uh, Dewey, uh, he was kind of seriously outspoken in his support for the Viet Minh's nationalistic government. Uh, this soon angered Major General Gracie, who ordered Dewey to just basically get the hell out of Indochina. While driving to the airport, Dewey like drove through one of the Viet Minh checkpoints without stopping, and for some fucking unknown reason, shouted out the window at the guards in French. The guards opened fire, uh, killing Dewey instantly, thinking that he was a, a Frenchman, which you know probably wasn't flying very well over there at the time. Uh, he had a passenger, another OSS guy, Captain Harry Bluchel, uh, but he escaped safely on foot and wasn't captured or anything. Uh, Dewey was the first of nearly 59,000 Americans to die in Vietnam. Fuck a duck. 
Now, yes, he, he died in Vietnam. The uh, difficulty there is he died in Vietnam as part of the, the cleanup at the end of World War II, but not in any way connected with the Vietnam War. But to the, like, Ho Chi Minh, I mean, that he's the guy that would, that basically we fought against during the Vietnam War. And the, well, him and his people. Yeah. The Viet Minh. Died at the hands of the same people, but in a much different war. It'd be like saying, you know, a CIA agent dying in Afghanistan while the U.S. was backing uh, the Mahuadine against the Soviets <laughs> as being the earliest American deaths in, in Afghanistan. That's a, a different different war. I don't know. To be honest, you know, my I had a uncle in the Special Forces back in the late 40s that was training people for war in Vietnam back then, you know. That's what... That's what special forces do. They are, they they train and develop foreign militaries. That's what they were created to do. That's been their their mission not, not and their foreign, main purpose. Yes, foreign uh, militaries. Yes, but he, he was training Americans to fight in Vietnam, not not foreign militaries to fight there. Hmm. But we didn't directly fight there until twenty years later. That's the key word. Not directly. <laughs> not, not that we saw. We have been indirectly involved in all kinds of stuff all over the world, but yeah, I think the word, the phrase is uh, blowback. <laughs> stuff that we don't know the consequences of as a public. We get outraged, and then we go out over there, yeah, kill some motherfuckers. Anyways, yes, goodness. <laughs> This day in history, 1888, the great American author T.S. Eliot is born. This day in history, 1960, Nixon sweats a river during a debate and loses. 1969, it's all about Marsha, 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 as the Brady Bunch premieres. And this day in history, 2008, screen legend Paul Newman dies. All right, let's go back over these a little bit. Uh, T.S. Eliot, I mean, I would figure most people have heard about this gent. Um undergraduate degree at Harvard, studied at the Sorenborn, returned to Harvard to study Sanskrit, studied at Oxford. I mean, this, this guy was, he was out there. He was, in, he was, he was always learning. Holy shit, man. Anyways, um, uh, great guy. <sighs> uh, anyways, a uh, great guy. You should, you should read one of his, probably his masterpiece called the wasteland. Um, or uh, the dial, but yeah, he he was known for revolutionizing revolutionizing modern poetry. Um, and yeah, check him out. So, next one, I know that uh, Dustin really wants to talk about this one: <laughs> the Kennedy Nixon debates. Um, this is one of those th one of those moments in time when you know shit just happened the wrong way. Uh, Nixon, who was a decent debater, had never really been on TV before and didn't want to put on makeup. And those hot cameras, hot lights, sure fucking made him sweat it, sweat it out. Plus, you know, I'm sure Kennedy was putting some pressure on him during the debates. Now, what I learned but, in my, my history class was that uh, he had a fever, hmm. which it, you're, well, you're not going to see sweat as well on black and white cameras. He was ill. He just looked completely disheveled and did not perform well. Some makeup would have helped with that a bit. Yeah. I always heard that that's, you know, you could, you could see the shine on his face. That's, that's the way I always understood it. But 
still, yeah, he got pretty well tore up during that first debate. Came back uh, much better in the second and, and third. Craziest thing is, I th- I think it's still probably the closest presidential elections. Forty nine point six to forty nine point seven percent in Kennedy's favor. Yeah, it was so close that one vote every other district for Nixon would have won him the election. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. But this guy was like a, a born to be a politician. <laughs> Yeah, took like a, let's see, one year after leaving the vice presidency next and returned to to politics, winning the Republican nomination for California. Uh, 1968, of course, he became the president. Yeah, yeah, this guy was just made to be a politician until, well, I'm not a crook. (laughs) Fucking Watergate. He had that fascination with, well, recording everything. He was very paranoid. And it uh, caught up to him and bit him in the ass. Uh, paranoid enough, he probably should have been on some medication. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Anyways, all right. So, yeah, Brady Bunch. It's probably like two cycles of reruns by the time I actually saw the Brady Bunch. But, damn it, when I was growing up, I always had a crush on Marsha. <laughs> I don't know about y'all. She was kind of cute. But, okay. Anyways, uh, 177 episodes later, uh seems like it was canceled in 1974, but sure had a hell of a life in syndication. And a couple movies after that. Oof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah, good times. <sighs> then Paul Newman. Man, this guy was this guy was born in January of 1925, Cleveland, Ohio, raised in the Burbs and Shaker Heights. Yeah, footballer. Uh, drama drama major also uh, joined the joined the navy even served at a as a radio man and gunner on a torpedo plane during World War II. Good for him. Shit, you don't see you really don't see that shit anymore. Yeah, some of his best movies: The Hustler, Cool Hand Luke, uh, Color of Money. You know, forgive the whole Tom Cruise thing in there, but so good movie. Yeah, this guy was pretty fucking awesome. <sighs> Anyways, all right, good to go. All righty. It's time for science and technology. Today, uh, this is September 24 that we're recording. Uh, There was a magnitude 7.7 earthquake in southwestern Pakistan. Um, So far, it's believed to have killed hundreds of people. Uh, Early estimates were at least, you know, 40 to 150, but now it's 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 well into the, the hundreds, and I wouldn't be surprised by the time it's all said and done, um, this number reaches into the thousands. Uh, but the, the really interesting thing here is Pakistan is right by where the both the Arabian and Indian plates are subducting underneath the Eurasian plate. And this earthquake is, you know, nothing out of the ordinary for that region because of that. Um, but this particular one prompted the creation of a new island off the coast of Pakistan. Uh, it is, depending on the reports, and I'm sure there'll be more accurate uh, data by the time this is released, um, but it's anywhere from 40 to 150 feet tall. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Half a mile off the coastline. It's not very big. But yeah, new mountainous island. Okay, we need somebody to go over there and claim it, make it a country. (laughs) 
uh, half mile off the coast, it would already be well within Pakistan's uh, territorial claims. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Holy shit! Well, I, I I hope they're they're amenable to opening their their borders up and getting some help from people. Yes, uh, they are definitely expecting it to need a lot of of international support. Uh, the Pakistani military has already gotten uh, troops on the ground in the area with a lot more on the way. Um, they're expecting more than a thousand by tomorrow, and I wouldn't be surprised if they got four or five thousand by the time this episode goes live. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Uh, the you know SpaceX has already gotten a few uh, cargo ships up to the International Space Station, and Orbital Science uh, and Orbital Sciences Corporation has a Cygnus ca- capsule on its way up. Uh, this is their first test. Uh, it is packed with 1,300 pounds of food and clothes for the station crew, uh, but none of that, especially since this is its first uh, experimental test, none of that stuff is really valuable or urgent. And it's late. There was a software glitch that caused them to abort the docking uh, if necessary, it can stay in orbit for a few weeks, maybe even months before it actually docks. Uh, and they are working on getting a software patch up to the capsule um, so that it can complete its its mission. Shut. Well, should stop relying on Mac computers. That's all I have to say. <laughs> hmm. The CDC has recently released a report on antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Uh, they are going with the most conservative estimates possible and have found that at least 23,000 people per year in the U.S. alone uh, die directly from antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Uh, most estimates are significantly higher. Um, in a lot of cases, uh, antibiotic-resistant bacteria are causing kind of tangential uh, factors in somebody's death, uh, but... These are, 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 these are bad, and they are growing. Uh, one of the, the major, major concerns with antibiotic-resistant bacteria and their development um, is the irresponsible wide-scale use of antibiotics in, in farming. Uh, they will give antibiotics just blanketly to all cattle, for example, um, to prevent illness, and in some cases even to make them grow faster. And federal authorities are at least trying to get them to stop the um, growth benefits of them, uh, at least it being used for that. But it's something like 70% of antibiotics in the U.S. going to uh, to animals. Um, when it's it's being given without any reason, you've got antibiotics out there, you've got bacteria coming into contact with them, and the more exposure bacteria have to antibiotics, the greater the likelihood of some of those bacteria to survive that are resistant. Um, additionally to that, you also have people that are getting, uh, oh, heck, they're saying uh, about half of antibiotic reuse in people uh, being inappropriate, either being given to people when it's not a infection, giving people the wrong antibiotic, or even worse, this is probably the greatest cause of it, is idiots out there who get a course of antibiotics to deal with an infection. As soon as the symptoms subside, they stop taking the antibiotics. They then leave some of the antibiotics at home, and then if they start feeling a little bit sick, they go ahead and pop one, thinking it might help. 
No, no. No, that doesn't do shit, you asshole. Nope. It's uh-uh. not going to work unless you need it. You know, antibiotics are prescription for a reason. It takes a, a educated medical professional to determine whether or not what you have merits the use of that antibiotic, trying to help you get the right antibiotic. And just because the symptoms go away doesn't mean the, uh, the, the bacteria has been wiped out. All that means is that enough of it's been wiped out for the symptoms to subside. It's not a fucking headache. Take your pills. Yeah. <laughs> mm. If you got family members that are doing that, smack them. Tell them to take their pills. Mm-hmm. Treat them like a dog. Put a little bit of butter on your finger, stuff that pill in it, and shove it down <laughs> their throat. Yeah. Just slip it in some peanut butter on a tablespoon. Thanks to idiots, uh, we, we are approaching the scenario where antibiotics will not be effective. And that is terrifying. Antibiotics have done wonders. Uh, but if we fuck things up, if we continue to fuck things up, they're going to be worthless. And we're going to be, and at least in, in some regards, back to where we were in 1900. Which is pretty fucking bad. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Holy shit. We don't want to move back there, so fucking take your pills when you're given them. And don't take them if you're not. If they're not your pills, uh-huh. you're like, oh, I, I think I have a little infection. I'm going to take some of my my husband's or wife's pills. Don't you fucking do it. Go to the doctor. Get it checked out. Mm-hmm. You know, antibiotics, you know, that's nothing to play with. We're going to be getting some sort, some sort of super bug and nothing's going to fucking work. Yeah, antibiotics are definitely something to work with because infections are not something to mess with. If it hadn't been for for antibiotics that actually worked, odds are I would have either lost a toe, my foot, or my leg, if not my life, when I was seventeen. I got I had happened to have pneumonia and didn't know it. Fucking walking pneumonia, and while in Mexico on a a uh, mission trip, I got bit by a poisonous spider and I picked up an infection in my left big toe. It took at one point. 2.7 grams of antibiotics per day at the peak and three weeks on antibiotics just to kill the infection in my toe. Uh, and that was with two separate types of antibiotics. <laughs> uh, and then when I finally got to my last appointment, uh, follow-up appointment on the toe, I was like, doctor, I've been, uh, keep on getting colds. And I'm wondering <laughs> what's going on here. She took a look at my lungs and was like, oh, you have pneumonia. It's amazing those antibiotics haven't done anything to that pneumonia. If I hadn't brought that up and not been put on the right antibiotic to kill that pneumonia, I would have probably just created or or helped create a new strain of antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Mm. If not, you know, died. (laughs) Don't fucking mess with infections and don't fucking mess with antibiotics. Use them right and do the entire course every time. All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox now and move on to the next couple stories, which are very much also soapbox inducing. <laughs> uh, right, Australia, uh, they—they for for a while now they've had a science minister. Uh, this was a member of the the prime minister's cabinet um, who was responsible for scientific issues, strategies, and organizations. Uh, they just selected a new government in Australia, and the new cabinet isn't going to have a minister for science. Uh, the things that that cabinet member were were uh, 
responsible for mostly going to be given to the industry minister and uh, a few others going to, to other cabinet ministers. The uh, Australian Academy of Science uh, doesn't think that's going to be enough, um, thinking that they do need an actual cabinet minister to to keep you know, to provide the long-term vision for scientific initiatives within the, the uh, country, like the Square Kilometer Array Telescope and their climate change strategies. Well, that that's not too much of a surprise to me with uh, Tony Abbott being a, con- a conservative, very conservative Catholic, also wanting to roll back uh, like a, a lot of uh, birth control stuff also. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You go from a atheistic lady to a religious man, and a whole sh- bunch of shit's going to change down there. Not too surprised. Yeah. Rolling back fucking carbon taxes for carbon emissions? Come on now. That's not good. And in Russia, um, things are even worse. Now, granted, this is the same Russia um, where you've got the dictator Putin, um, where they have a ban on any kind of pro-gay propaganda, which includes being openly gay, and all kinds of batshit crazy stuff going on there. Very, very repressive stuff happening there. Um, they have now uh, passed some reforms for the Russian Academy of Sciences. This is an organization that's been around for 289 years. Fuck. And has largely been independent throughout its entire history. And based on this this new law that's been passed, um, with overwhelming support in the the legislature, uh, it's going to be uh, all all the the institutions and the the research staff that, that were part of the the organization are going to be managed by a new agency that reports directly to Putin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never understood this. I mean, colleges, uh, Academy of Sciences, stuff like this. Where do you think all of the new technology that drives our businesses comes from? I mean, yeah. a, lo- a lot of the stuff that's invented gets put out to the market so that other people can use it and make fucking money. You want to build your economy, you need to build your sciences. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that difficult, but... It's pretty fucking simple to yeah. understand. A little bit of money gives a hell of a return. Mm-hmm. Oh, motherfucker. Yeah. I could say that about pretty much all the fucking government in our country, too, though. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, moving on to politics and religion. Hey. Even though these last couple stories have been kind of political, uh, those were science and politics. Uh, now we're on politics <laughs> and religion. <laughs> Thanks uh, to recent changes in, in Oregon law, uh, a couple in Albany, Oregon, uh, have been charged with first and second degree manslaughter in the death of their 12-year-old daughter. Um, Sybil had uh, type 1 diabetes. Uh, her parents were withholding treatment in favor of prayer, and then she died from complications related to that diabetes. That's the girl that didn't need to die. No, she didn't. No, um, yeah. Medications Ooh. that were that are easily available, basic treatments, heck, even just basic consultation with a doctor could have prevented her, her death. Ooh. This, this always pisses me off to see people withhold proven and reliable med- med- medicine from their children. 
they want to do this stuff for themselves, fine, fuck it, you can die, but don't do this to your kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have, they, they've been released on, on bail. Oh, uh, fuck them. Fortunately, though, the condition of that is that they can have no contact with their three minor children, except as granted by the Oregon Department of Human Services. Mm-hmm. Which hopefully will be uh, supervised visitations only. No. Oh, uh-uh. that's not cool at all. They're in there for, for fucking murder, essentially. They need to stay the fucking prison. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Unless you're rich, they don't let people out of jail for, for fucking murder. And these people aren't rich, so put them the fuck back in jail. <sighs> that's right. That's me being classist. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, these, these faith healing cults need to be opposed and... Basic child welfare laws need to apply to every single child. Uh, you know, Oregon at least has statutes that allow for, for bringing criminal charges when, when kids die. And when they get tipped off, when, when authorities get tipped off, they can, they can take actions to help prevent the death of a child. But there's a lot of states, well, like fucking Idaho, where I live, where Faith healing is perfectly permissible under the law as a an equal alternative to actual medical care. And that fucking needs right. to stop everywhere. All right, so this is uh this is the General Assemblies of Christ uh, excuse me. This is the General Assemblies of Church of the Firstborn, a small Pentecostal denomination of sorts. Uh they don't have a, a headquarters or paid clergy. It consists of a network of more than 100 independent, loosely affiliated churches in 20 states. Uh, while they officially say that uh, people are, are free to get medical care for them, themselves or their children, uh, people that have actually left that church say that you're, you're going to get shunned and be considered weak of faith if you actually get any any help like that. Uh these fuckers have actually had 82 children, at least 82 children, die since 1976 because of lack of medical treatment. Mm-hmm. Not fucking cool. To to at least appear to be complying, uh, they have a downloadable document on their, their uh, church's website that they can fill in all of their information and put down all the information about their sick child and then... Send it off to the authorities. Well, well, that's that's just a form to say that the the government can check on their their kids at any time. We have a sick child. We have called the elders to pray, but we also respect the laws of the land. So you are welcome to come and examine the child at any time. That's not telling the doctors to to come and help the help them, but saying yeah, you can look at them. Right, but if if uh, they sent that to. I don't know what what authorities they're they're uh, they're sending this to, but if it got to a social worker who examined the situation and found out the child was at actual risk, then the child could be taken from their custody and taken to a doctor. But this isn't this isn't really complying with the law. the The law, as it stands, is you have a sick child. You need to get that child to a doctor. I mean, that's that's just notifying the authorities that there's a sick child. That doesn't say anything about. You can look at them, sure, but you can't. That doesn't say anything about, you know, if you think they uh, need state, help to take them. State law is if a child's in danger, the state has every right to take that child. Okay. That's right. that's pretty basic anywhere. 
Um, all right. Next up, coming from Africa, uh, at the University of Lagos. That's in Nigeria. Uh, the staff of the university is very happy with one of their, their grad students, um, who did an experiment that he claims proves that homosexuality is unnatural. Uh, his experiment was with magnets. Magnets. What is, what do they all mean? Uh, what fuck. do magnets have to do? Uh, anyway, so <laughs> Amala'a claims that the poles of magnets repel those of the same type. This means that men cannot attract, or no, this means that, a, that man cannot attract another man because they're the same. And a woman should not attract a woman because they're the same. This is how I use physics to prove gay marriage wrong. <laughs> yeah. In recent time, I found that gay marriage, which is homosexuality and lesbianism, is eating deep into the fabric of our human nature all over the world. And this is why nations of Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed by God because they were into gay practice. And they must have been anti-magnet also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but well, <laughs> sometimes attraction can feel magnetic. Often referred to as magnet in terms of magnetism, that's a metaphor. It's a fucking metaphor. <laughs> this is one of the worst, worst arguments I've ever heard of. <laughs> Holy shit! This is awesome. This is this is it. It almost feels like Poe to me, but somehow I'm sure it's not. <sighs> God damn it! <laughs> yeah, uh, they're hoping it gets picked up by the uh, by scientific journals around the world. Right, right. I could totally see Scientific American picking this one up. <laughs> Actually, I can imagine it hitting their blog with uh, somebody <laughs> just tearing it to shreds. Wait, actually, heck, this isn't anything you even need to tear to shreds. You just mock no. it. Yeah, this is, yeah, this just deserves open mocking by people of no scientific credibility like me and you. Mm-hmm. And this shouldn't even even be seen by anybody that has actual smarts in a field like this. <laughs> Ah, alrighty. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, the there, there's a, a business in in Michigan. Uh, they are a for-profit corporation, and right. uh, what they do is they manufacture fuel systems, power steering systems, and medical devices. Hmm. And um, they they tried to claim a uh, religious exemption to the Obamacare birth control mandate. And again, okay. the birth control mandate, if you're not familiar with it, applies to insurance companies. Insurance companies have to provide birth control without, as preventative care, um, they have to provide birth control without copay. But there's all these businesses out there that are trying to get out of it. Um, anyway, that's that, that part's old news. Um, uh, AutoCam is, is the name of this company. Uh, they, they lost in the sixth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, which ruled that for profit corporations are not a person. That can exercise religion under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Hmm. The court was the court added that AutoCam's Roman Catholic owners, John Kennedy and his family, do not have the standing to bring claims on behalf of the company. Hmm. Well, this this uh, seems to go against the uh, recent the Hobby um, Lobby. Ruling. I think it was yeah Hobby Lobby ruling. Yeah, uh, which I'm guessing was a, a different uh, circuit court. So I'm hoping. Actually, I'm not sure if I'm hoping, but realistically, these cases will probably end up going to um, the Supreme Court. 
which right now with the makeup of the Supreme Court, I'm a little worried that they might rule, yes, corporations are people in every way. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. We can hope so that it goes good the right way. And terrifying. All right. It's been all over the news now that uh, about Pope Francis sitting down with a Roman Catholic journal to talk about his views. Three days of interviews. And most famously, he said that the church has been too obsessed with abortion, gay marriage, and contraception. And he's decided not to talk about these issues, even though it's gotten some, you know, raised the ire of, of uh, some critics, because he wants the church focusing on things like taking care of the poor. All right. I already have a problem with that. Okay. Everybody thinks this, this pope is uh, better than the last already. Okay, fine. So he doesn't look like, you know, a fucking character out of Star Wars, but fine. Uh, he doesn't want to discuss it. He doesn't want to change the policy. So greet this pope the same as the last pope. Nothing's changed, even though Pope Frankie here is is not doesn't. He, oh, okay, fine. Church is obsessed with all this shit, but he doesn't want to change it. So you know, he's not better any better than Palpatine was. Uh, notably, he has not directed any bishops to get off of these issues. Uh, he's just saying they need to find a new balance. Uh, but, of course, actions are louder than words. This takes us to the next story. Uh, Father Greg Reynolds, when, when asked about his, uh, his excommunication, um, he said, In past times, excommunication was a huge thing. But today, the hierarchy have lost such trust and respect. I've come to this position because I follow my conscience on women's ordination and gay marriage. Uh, what's most notable here is that Reynolds' excommunication was not done at the request of his bishop or archbishop. It came straight from the Vatican. Hmm. Well, he got uh, defrocked and ex excommunicated because he wanted to have gay and female bishops, right? Uh, people priests. in priests in powers of position. Okay. So, yeah, surprise, surprise there. Mm -hmm. I mean, Good old, good old Pope, Pope Frankie that doesn't want to have all these talks about LGBT rights or condoms or anything like that. But, you know, that's pretty much all he has on his mind be, behind the scenes. Yeah. He doesn't want to talk it seems, about seems it. seems to me. But the actions have not changed. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. This is just same, same, same Pope, different day. Yep. So all you people that think Francis is so much better and I'm. I, I doubt that too many of our, our listeners are, would be of that opinion, but many people yeah. around the world have, have seemed to think Pope Francis is this great breath of fresh air. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Yeah. He doesn't even talk a good game. <laughs> Shit. Uh, and meanwhile, in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, the Reverend W. Jeffrey Polish, a uh, Catholic priest, got busted on a college campus with a pantsless 15-year-old boy. Hmm. He has uh, since been charged with one felony count of involuntary deviant sexual intercourse and one felony count of unlawful contact with a minor. And he's also been charged with three misdemeanors, indecent contact with a person under 16, indecent exposure and corruption of a minor. Oh, indecent exposure and corruption of a minor. Okay, I would still say that the minor was probably already corrupted because how many of them aren't? <laughs> yeah. But still, yeah. come on now. Holy shit. 
Now, here's what's what's interesting. Uh, according to the the uh, statement from the DOC of Scranton, he has been suspended from acting in the capacity of a priest. Oh. So you well, say that, that you're for gay marriage and women's ordination, you get defrocked and excommunicated. You get right. caught molesting a 15-year-old boy. You just get suspended. Fucking Catholic Church. <laughs> yeah. I got nothing. This is this is just another case of shit. Yeah. I I hope that he uh gets put into general population in prison. Mhm. Yeah, he would uh Actually, he he might enjoy that a little too much. Uh, no, no, it's not. Uh, anybody in there would not be fifteen years old. Oh, fair point. <laughs> yeah, no. From from what I hear, if if you get in a journal population and they find out that you're in you're there, a for, child fucker. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're you're proper fuckered. Yep. <laughs> that is punishment enough. Yeah, I'd still like to see the asshole go to jail. Yeah, let let him keep his his uh, frock. <laughs> I'm sure they'll make him dance around real pretty with it. <laughs> Joining us now is Rachel Slick. Rachel uh, recently wrote a, a guest post on the Friendly Atheist, and I, I got to meet her a few months back uh, when she lived in the Boise area. And uh, she is the daughter of Matt Slick, the founder of the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry, or CARM. Rachel, welcome to Atheist Nomads. Hello. Here I am. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so let's let's start off. Could you tell us a little bit about what the hell CARM is? Okay. CARM uh, is the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry. And apologist does not mean you're apologizing. It means, you know, witnessing. I'm not sure how much people know. It means the defense of a faith, specifically Christian in this case. And my dad makes this site and he writes a bunch of angry things. Well, not angry. It's, you know, just kind of flawed about other cults and people and everything imaginable, moral behavior. Um, and there are forums and he has a radio show and he goes out and preaches the word of God against false religions. Does that, yeah. does that work? Yes. I've, I've actually awesome. had a little bit of, of contact with him because... Uh, he's tried to troll some of the local atheist groups. <laughs> I'll bet. Well, how? What was that like? Uh, well, fortunately, he kept it to trying to bait us into uh, ambushes, and there was even a few times where we were actually willing to to uh, meet with him, and then he'd cancel at the last minute and try to reschedule for something later, and then throw out some apologetics class he's doing, wanting an atheist to come and get. Picked on by 15 wannabe apologists. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. It's more like a dominance display a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, how is it that the uh, the daughter of, of this apologist uh, is, is now on, on Atheist Nomads? How did um, you get I there? Got, <laughs> I got a Facebook message. It's like, hey, Rachel, you want to be on Atheist Nomads? I'm like, sure. That sounds great. <laughs> That's how that happened. <laughs> and, then, and then I didn't get any sleep one night. And then suddenly this, this I'm talking to these people. All right. Oh, in, in other words, um, <laughs> why don't you uh, share with us a little bit of your story? Okay. Um, well, to summarize the article, um, I was raised crazy Christian home. As I'm sure a lot of people in Idaho were uh, homeschooled, everybody, 
you know, tells you what to do, strict obedience, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all the fucking time. And then I grew up, I left home, I was still Christian, and then I realized that the Bible was actually pretty inconsistent. So I left it intellectually uh, for for that specific reason at the time, although after I, I left it, it developed into more. And then I became very displeased with religion and the way it operates, so now I, I talk out against it. Uh that ended without any like sort of climax. <laughs> no, I'm sure. Uh, about about how old were you when you started doubting, and well, how old were were you when you when you thought of yourself as an atheist? I was doubting for as long as I can remember. Like, um, although it it hit pretty hard around twelve when I would start asking very serious questions, be like, I really don't know if this is true. Uh, but you know, my dad runs CARM, so like every answer, I mean, every question I had had some answer to it, a very convincingly explained answer. And I would be like, well, that doesn't make logical sense. And he'd be like, well, I have a logical answer. And I think a lot of kids leave the faith or stop believing early on because they don't have that in their lives. Um, there's not somebody there with a, a very comprehensive and educated response to questions they have about their faith. But I did. So it kept me very, it got me more militant about it. Um, what was the second part of that question? When, how old do you think you were when you actually became an atheist or thought of yourself as one? Um, I was 18, uh, and it was a pretty pretty rapid change. I, I was Christian until I had that conversation with my friend, which is essentially, if God is absolute, how does morality change between the Old Testament and the New Testament? And um, at the time, I didn't have any sort of explanation for it, and I realized that there could be no explanation and that just snapped something in my head. And so I realized there was no possible way I could go on believing in Christianity um, while being intellectually honest with myself. So what was it like growing up? It was it was kind of shitty. <laughs> like, I, although I guess kids don't really know it at the time, but um, it was very lots of pressure to act and behave to according to a very, very high standard. Um, like throughout my teenage years, the one form of rebellion I had, for example, was that I had these friends online and I was homeschooled. So, I mean, you don't really get that much interaction with other people. And these online friends were pretty much my best friends ever. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you have like super deep bond with somebody online. Usually it happens when people are younger. Um, but they were like my best friends and I didn't do anything immoral. It was, we were, we mostly debated theology and philosophy. Um, but my parents couldn't supervise and they told me I couldn't talk to them, but I talked to them anyway. So it would became like a cycle of throughout the years, like I would sneak on and talk to my friends and then that would be a, an act of disobedience. And the act of disobedience itself would like make my life complete hell. Um, but so, that was the worst it got, the worst thing I ever did in my teenage years, like ever by far. <laughs> and that resulted in like punishment so severe, they resulted in depression. I mean, Holy it was God. crazy. Wow. And I'd imagine in that controlled of an environment, uh, obedience would be well, the whole point. Mm hmm. Well, I mean, that's the whole point of Christianity. And of course, it varies from family to family, because people interpret the scriptures differently. But in my particular family, um, it was very uh, strict hierarchy of the children submit to the parents, the wife submits to the husband, the husband submits to the church and the church to God. Um, but my dad kind of was the church. 
in a way. Uh, so that kind of skipped that particular avenue of, of, uh, whatchamacallit, fail safe. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I, I'm sure if you've encountered my dad, you probably get that uh, impression from him that he needs to be in control of the situation. Mm-hmm. So it means a combination of personality and the fact that religion had that sort of system in it allowed that personality a great deal of leeway to take hold. All right. Were you and your your siblings raised uh, doing the the ACE accelerated Christian education? I don't think so. No, we started grades early and graduated early, but there wasn't a program really. Okay. Well, yeah. that's good. Although well, my younger maybe. sisters now are both in school, which is very confusing to me, but whatever. Oh, that's, that sounds surprising. It's so <laughs> progressive. Good. It's progressive yeah. of them. I'm kind of proud. <laughs> Wait, they're in public school or just school? Yeah. Wow. Public school. Okay. I was withdrawn from public school when I was 14 because I had access to computers. So they changed a lot. Sorry, this is kind of like turning just like me complaining. <laughs> I should be more discreet. If, if you want to be. <laughs> I'm sure Matt won't listen to this. I hope not. Yeah, to my knowledge, he is not stalking us. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he read my article. He released something in his newsletter and he met, briefly mentioned that he hadn't read what I had written, although I'm not sure if that's true. But he was at least aware of it. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think he got a lot of emails from that. Hmm. Wow. Do, do you still, are you still able to have a relationship with your parents? Yeah. My mom's coming to visit me on Sunday, and Sweet. I love her to death. She's fantastic, even though she, we just don't talk about the Christian aspect at all. Uh, but no, I haven't talked to my dad since I was 17. Damn. Yeah. She does the whole intermediary passing messages back and forth. Um, kind of. Like, not intentional messages, just like, oh, your father said this the other day. Yeah. And then I'm sure that he, she tells, keeps him updated on the, the vague basics of my life, but I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I'm totally happy. Like, that's, <laughs> I'm not scarred. Like, no, that's great. <laughs> It was my choice not to talk to him, not him, not his. So it's not like I've been rejected. Mm-hmm. Did this get like really dark really fast? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, very happy with everything. So like say something cheerful, please. Uh, um, I have got to know about this Awana thing. Oh, um, are you familiar with it at all? No, this looks like a Boy Scouts uniform. Yeah, it's it's like Boys and Girls Scouts, except for Christians. And it's like boys and girls go in, they sing worship songs, they play like Bible, well, not really Bible games, just like athletic games. Then they have like a Bible study, and then they memorize verses out of a workbook and like complete. And it's once a week, and it's like another mini church for kids. It's like a kid camp church thing. <laughs> But you memorize a lot of verses that way. So, like Boy Scouts, just even more religious than the uh-huh. already very religious Boy Scouts. <laughs> if that's even possible. Okay. Yeah. Praying all the time. Worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> I had lots of debates with them. I was Calvinist when I was Christian, and nobody in Awana was. So every time, <laughs> discussion time, I'd be like, I have opinions, and I want to tell you about them. <laughs> So okay, being being a former Calvinist, mm-hmm. when you were you were uh, starting to leave Christianity, how did that 
play with with your thoughts or was that even a factor at all well the doctrine of uh, perseverance of the saints um kind of affected it slightly which is that the once saved always saved essentially so i'm like well if i abandoned christianity i never was saved and which was harder at my head around because i believed with all my heart when i was christian like every ounce of fiber i had in me i believed that jesus christ died for my sins and i was going to heaven i was securing my salvation and i loved jesus like i i was everything that a saved christian should have been and so if I could leave that behind and realize it was all false, then perseverance, I, either I'm coming back around in the future somehow, or I'm being saved anyway. So like <laughs> either way, it's, I mean, if, if perseverance of the saints was true, and if it wasn't, then Calvinism wasn't true. And I couldn't handle Christianity without Calvinism being true. So unless you go with the, a really hardcore Calvinism, in which case God just chose you not to be saved. Well, yeah, but but if God chose me not to be saved, then I shouldn't have technically experienced uh, salvation when I was younger. Oh, that's a it's an angle I I never thought of before. <laughs> mm-hmm. So because I had experienced it, I believed that God had chosen me to be saved, and so yeah. the fact that I was able to leave it just kind of screwed with that whole ideology. Yeah, that would have been a weird little head trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I came out of a very much a, a free will background, and so it's difficult for me because I wanted to believe. I was choosing to believe if I mm-hmm. could, but couldn't actually believe. Hmm. And that so did, was a, a weird little... <laughs> did that make you feel more like guilt and responsibility, that you were the one choosing to leave God and not God choosing to leave you? Uh, it did until I came across a, a Calvinist book in one of my seminary classes... Hmm. that actually explained all of it from a psychological standpoint. And it was like, huh, I am just mentally unable to believe this. All right, that's that's a little easier to take. <laughs> yeah, it's more fatalistic, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I always found the, the whole free will thing a little bit, a little bit illogical. How so? Well, well, I mean, the whole free will existing at all is kind of an illusion. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, cause and effect and all that shit. Uh and then, you know, the Bible's like, you know, Jesus chose you. Well, I don't know. These are Calvinist arguments that I don't actually believe anymore because I'm not Christian. But at the time, I found it very logical. That is awesome. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy when, when you get into those arguments where you're actually catch yourself trying to argue a position you no longer hold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do that all the time. I still have a lot of... Uh, beliefs that I, I constantly catch myself are coming from a very theistic standpoint. Um, I, I, I have to be very wary of that. Yeah. Do you have the same thing where you're like, oh, shoot, that, that was not something that is consistent with my current beliefs? I, I've, I've been, in my case, I've been, I've been trying pretty hard to get rid of all of those, and mm-hmm. I think I've shed most of those. Various forms of debauchery. How long do you think it took you? Uh, probably four or five years. There's still little mm-hmm. little twinges that of uh, I, I guess the easiest way to put it is just brainwashing that yeah that is really hard to to get rid of. Yeah, those formative years, man. Especially when it's intense, it it leaves a mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When you get uh, misogyny and homophobia grilled into you in every aspect of life, trying to sh- uh, get rid of all of that <laughs> isn't mm-hmm. the easiest thing to do. 
Yeah, I still have a little bit of that misogyny left. <laughs> like, I, I really, I mean, I don't like feminism in a lot of ways. And I'm not sure how much of that comes from just the fact that I'm trying to be extremely logical about it. And how much comes from the fact I used to be Christian and think thought that women were supposed to have their heads covered and shit. Yeah, it's hard to, to separate some of that. Mm-hmm. How much of it's actually you and how much is... But really, what is you if not that combination of, of your exactly. genetics and, and the experiences and you've had in life? Everything you are is you. Yeah. That's why I don't like when people are like, oh, well, I behave that way, but it's not really the true me. I'm like, no, if you if you are what you do, as soon as you do something, that becomes a part of your identity or belief. Believe or do. So by all means, go out and experience a whole bunch of new stuff and then help, <laughs> help incorporate that into yourself. I know. So much more fun. <laughs> I don't know. I like risk taking scares the shit out of me and I hate it. But I think if I do it often enough, I will somehow become a badass. <laughs> right? Like it's going to be this magical thing that just descends upon me one day, like a badge. <laughs> <laughs> that or, you know, you'll just die. Yeah. Probably 50 50. Hey. Yeah. YOLO. <laughs> sorry. Oh, fuck me, I'm sorry. I just, I just got done hanging with people who are using that as a joke. So uh, I gotta uh, wipe that out of my brain. I swear. Sorry, I apologize for that. I want to have a fucking aneurysm every time I hear that. <laughs> YOLO. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Well, make sure you go to the shifty side of town and have a voodoo donut. Have a voodoo do what? What was the first part of that sentence? The shifty side of town. The shifty. And have a, yeah, and have a voodoo donut. There, voodoo donuts exist in multiple parts of the town. I only knew about the one. I, I know. know. That's what I thought until I was strolling merrily down the street one day, and lo and behold, there's a pink building just overflowing with sugary goodness. <laughs> <laughs> It was amazing. I hate maple, but I will make the exception for the maple bacon. And for those of you that are listening and have no idea what the hell they're talking about, Rachel lives in Portland now. Yeah. And too bad for all y'all, because those are kind of fucking good donuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They made my teeth almost want to fall out, I think. (laughs) That's what my teeth are telling me. Oh... (laughs) So, how do you find uh, living in, in Portland compared to Boise? Amazing. Okay, like I have, I have two completely minor examples that I blow completely out of proportion. But one, perfect, is that I was sitting in some hair salon thing, being all grumpy in a corner reading a magazine, and then I, I listen, and then there's this chick talking about about these these couple that she knows who are polyamorous. And she was like whispering about it, like it was scandalous. Like, oh my gosh, do you know what that is? Like, I just learned about it. I can't believe. How do they do that? Does that exist? Is it legal? Like all these questions. <laughs> and I'm Paul. And I'm Polly. And I'm like, shit. Like, is it really that that new and confusing? So that's example number one. And another one was um, just recently, I had a question pop up in my Facebook feed, and somebody was like, hey, do you know where I can get nipple pasties? But she phrased it in a way like, I don't mean to offend any of you and i know this is a really scandalous question uh but i need nipple pasties and then everybody was trying to give her like ways to discreetly go about getting them (laughs) and 
it's just just the complete oppression. Like people don't. They, they, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure everybody in Idaho has sex with the lights out. <laughs> it's incredible. In Portland, here you're like, oh yeah, I had I had an orgy last week with like a Tyrannosaurus Rex and a clown, and nobody blats an eye. And I'm like, oh, all right, cool. So did I. <laughs> oh, furries! I love furries. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I love about Portland. If wow. ever you're in Portland, you should buy me ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Ice cream, okay. Uh, Coldstone. No, it's got to be that like Dairy Queen shit. That's not really ice the, cream, but you think it is. Oh, the good fake shit. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Peanut butter parfait. Dude, I have been craving fast food because this is Portland, and all these stupid hipsters—they're like, "Oh, whole grain, organic. Oh, I raise my own chickens, and I name him Fred, and I slaughtered him with my own two hands." And I'm like, "I just want McDonald's," and there are no nearby. And so yesterday, I was on a bus out in the far reaches of nowhere, and I passed McDonald's, and I bought a quarter pounder, and I ate it before I even got to the bus. The end. <laughs> I'm I I totally feel you. Fucking yeah. hipsters and hippies, I can't fucking stand them. Mm-hmm. All food is fucking organic. No, okay. Except for salt and water. <laughs> God damn it. What about salt dirt? and water are not organic. Dirt, uh, <laughs> dirt wouldn't be, but soil is. <laughs> what? I don't, is this is this a real argument? Uh, you want you want I should smack him. <laughs> With the exception of of salt and and water, pretty much everything we eat is made up of of hydrocarbons, and anything made up of of hydrocarbons is organic. I, I just the hate organic I, group. Love you. No, <laughs> and we we don't love them either. <laughs> I I can understand having like healthy food like to some extent i'm okay with having naturally grown stuff because obviously mcdonald's gonna make you fat uh but i don't take sure. it to the extreme like well, gmos like everybody who hates gmos you know, fuck the, fuck those people gmos are awesome <laughs> yes they are. how else are we gonna feed everybody exactly i would rather people be sick and alive than dead and healthy <laughs> <laughs> how in the fuck does that work dead and healthy <laughs> Uh, Uh, dying of nothing but starvation (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, I think that would work other other than being malnourished and and starving and and perfectly Mm. good health yeah it it, it, it works (laughs) plus people think that somehow just because nature changed something it makes it okay and if we change something it doesn't make it okay which is interesting by the way the very definition of nature excludes man made influence or man influence which is really funny that we have that concept at all Mm-hmm. Where did Even that come from? When did we start separating ourselves from what is a natural occurrence? I'd say people started freaking out about it when we actually started getting some gene splicing. Yeah, because they don't care about just what we're tweaking with, because we've been tweaking with foods for 10,000 years. That's that's the whole point of agriculture, artificial mm-hmm. selection. It yeah, so in the 60s. didn't become a problem until we actually started directly t- tweaking with the genes in ways that we know exactly what we're doing and exactly what effect it will have. When it was just willy-nilly hybrids mm-hmm. with no idea what's going to be happening with that, nobody cared. Yeah. Splicing a, a branch into another tree and getting, like, tangelos and shit. That's, like, shit like, magic right there. Oh, tasty <laughs> but, like, I know, like, I mean, I mean, the actual concept of natural, like, not not only in regards to gene splicing, but in regards to, like... You know, you build you build a stone hut, and then somebody walks by, and they point at it, and like, "Oh, that's not natural. That's man made." Mm-hmm. But 
But I mean, if you think about it, it's all cause and effect. Man, you know, evolved so just completely as natural as anything else. Tool use right. and construction. Well, and, so and, and how is that any different than a uh, ant colony? Right, exactly. A giant mound and so, they built. so when and why did that separation occur in our minds along the evolutionary path? When did we stop seeing ourselves as just a natural belonging to nature and start seeing ourselves as something additional? Like we have that concept that if we do something, it's not the way it should be. I again think it's somewhere in the forties to sixties. No, no, no. It's gotta be way earlier than that. I mean, look at literature from hundreds and hundreds Mm -hmm. of years ago. They have this concept there too. But more so in the last century where people don't work the land as much. They stay indoors. They're office dwellers a lot more that, and I, I think there's this weird dichotomy of like, Okay, we're office people. We stay indoors all the time, but we want our our fruit. Our we remember the good old days. I'll air quote that shit. No, I, that I, all I, of our food is grown outside and naturally. I agree with with Rachel. It's definitely older than that. I, I think it probably came from from religion, viewing I, man as being completely separate from everything else. You know, we were created in the eye or in, in the image of God, whereas everything else is just slime. You, you think it's something to do with the. Uh, uh, we can't play God or we shouldn't be playing God. Yeah. I think it goes way feet. earlier than that. Just that think we're that separate it, than, than everything else. The animals who use tools. Do you think if they had like, you know, the ability to comprehend what they were doing, do you think they would consider their tool use to be unnatural? Hmm. No, I don't think so. Not unless so, they developed religions like Christianity. Hmm. Then they might. <laughs> they know, started thinking they were incredibly special compared to everything else. I don't know if I agree with the idea that tool that that the idea that we are not natural came from religion. I'm not sure. It's I, I think it's probably part of of because if if you look at it, uh, there's been this this mindset of there are people, there's humans, and then there's animals, mm-hmm. and animals are all one category, and then people are a separate category, mm-hmm. and that goes back a long, long time, and. You know, it, it could have arose separate from religion, but there's a, a, a decent chance that it, it came as a part of, of uh, some strange theology. Well, we have dominion over all the animals. Mm-hmm. That kind of sets us aside from them right there. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm pretty sure there was religion before, you know, quote, Genesis, unquote. <laughs> Definitely. Heretics. Some of the... Uh, well, the earliest known religious uh, objects we, we talked about recently, it's, what was it, 10,000? No, 12,000 years old? Yeah, that... that A temple yeah, that to the, the star Sirius when it would have appeared. Hmm. Completely random tangent. Yes. I just, I'm trying to educate the entire world is this fact. Did you know that there used to be sloths the size of elephants? I knew they were a giant, but not that fucking big. Yeah, the size of gi- the f- elephants, man, in North America. Okay, hmm. I just needed to say that. Continue. <laughs> right. That's really creepy. Yeah, and amazing. There used to be so many animals that all died out like ten to 15,000 years ago, and they're like mythical creatures that like actually used to walk. Oh, it's just, it just mind blows me. <laughs> right. Okay. Mm, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was random. That was, and I find sloths to be very creepy, and the idea of giant sloths the size of elephants is it's such a horrifying beavers. idea. I like giant beavers, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me too. 
<laughs> so okay, Boise, 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 Boise. <clears throat> uh, were you actually born there? No, I was born in Southern California, and then I was 12 years old, and my parents were like, oh my gosh, we're never going to afford a house. We're going to be stuck in this tiny little dinky apartment forever, and then like, mm-hmm. we need to move out in Podunk, middle of nowhere, where there's a bunch of religion and cheap taxes, and <laughs> start some car business going, and so they did. Right. Hmm. Yeah, that was, that was fun. So was your dad a pastor before that, or... Or not? He was an assistant pastor for a brief period of time, if I remember correctly. This was before I was born, so I'm just remembering off stories. Um, and then he worked as a, a technician, IT computer fixer-upper for a while. And then at the same time, he was working on CARM. And then eventually he quit the IT job to do CARM full-time. Yeah, he could fix all our computers and spy on my computer. It was not fun. <laughs> like, he would, like, mind fuck with me, be like, he wouldn't actually install anything on there, but he'd be like, I can see what you do. And then I'd, like, be scared shitless. Like, oh my God, he saw, like, I was Googling boobs last night. You know, he's going to see that freak out. But no, he was just screwed with me. <laughs> oh, Did he do wow. that creepy voice, too? Well, you know, in my head, uh, like, it's it, that's dramatic effect. But yeah, he did do creepy voices sometimes. <laughs> you get, like, all serious and dramatic. I don't know if you've ever, like, seen him or heard him, like, t- get into a telling a dramatic story. And he's like, and then this happened. But he uses that same voice if he so wants he to get really Batman. serious, like, be scary at you. Hmm? Yeah. So he goes Batman on you. A little bit. A little bit, yeah. He did a little bit of that on, on The Daily Show. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Maybe? I didn't hear the full interview. I just saw the published bit. I think he got into kind of a weird little voice, but you would you would know that a lot better than probably anybody oh. else. <laughs> well, he might have. I'm not remembering off the top of my head. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's usually when he tells a dramatic story or wants to make you scared out of your mind. Mm. So tell me about tag. The transcendental argument for God's existence? Yes. Okay. Uh, tag, to summarize, is... Okay, it's been a while. Let's see if I can remember this. I think the the, the steps are uh, logical absolutes exist. Uh, logical absolutes are conceptual. Anything conceptual must exist from a mind. If logical absolutes are conceptual and absolute, they must exist from a, a conceptual and absolute mind. Therefore... Logical absolutes are proof that uh, a god that fits those uh, parameters, at least, exists. That's tag. Hmm. And so that mind is God, and God exists. Yes, is essentially the argument. Weird. And I, I used to love that argument, man. I would, when I was fourteen, I would pull that out on other kids on the internet, like, be like, "Bam, this is." I'm just pulling this out on Neopets, and <laughs> you, can't, you can't resist it. And it was not, I'm not, not one of my finer moments. <laughs> Holy shit. I haven't played that in a decade. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone downhill. Don't go back. <sighs> and nobody could just come up with, uh, why are there, why do you say there's logical absolutes? <laughs> um, well, if, if I'm going to play the devil's advocate. Oh, okay. Here. Yes. Yes. Okay, all right. We can do this. Uh, logical. Well, cause a must equal a and a cannot equal not a like, those sort of things, right? Do you agree that those exist? Okay. So, I mean, those are the definition of the logical absolutes. Like, essentially, truth is truth. What is, is, and what is cannot both be is and not is kind of deal. Like, the principles of math mm-hmm. and shit. So, it's essentially saying that reality is. 
uh, that's how that's how we know they exist. Does that work? Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm very insecure arguing for things I don't believe in anymore. <laughs> Although I do believe in logical absolutes. But so, what's your 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 current uh, preferred you know, not the rest of, of it. that? Um, logical. Okay, let's see if I can remember. This. I had I had a whole I had a whole reasoning for this a while ago. Um, <clears throat> concepts do not necessarily require a mind. I believe. I believe that was my conclusion. I don't remember. Hmm. I should I should know this because now I'm feeling extraordinarily unintelligent. But I'll I'll figure it out, and then I'll, <laughs> my self esteem will be back to normal. <laughs> well, what, what's yours? I'm you, assuming you, you have opinion. Okay, re- repeat tag again. Uh, tag is that uh, logical absolutes exist. They are absolute and conceptual uh, concepts. Must require a mind to exist. For example, you cannot fathom two plus two that did not exist before humans existed. Just as an example, mm-hmm. um, uh, but reality and the concepts that underlie reality existed before humans and are independent of humans. Therefore, it must be reliant on an independent and absolute mind. I, I put a link in there. Mm. Does that make sense? I have no yes, idea. Yes. So. Yeah, the easiest point for that to fall apart is that logical absolutes must exist within an infinite mind. Mm-hmm. Or that concepts are dependent on a mind, because you're kind of getting weird there once you say that. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to define mind and define depend on and everything. Yeah. Weird. Do you hear tag a lot from, you know, the Christians? No. Uh Actually, that was linked off of uh, rationalskepticism.org. Uh, mm. Somebody posted about your article, and um, mm. at the the end line says, Matt Slick thinks he invented the tag, and he thinks it's compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he, he argues it a lot. He's very passionate about it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Not the most convincing argument. Not really. <laughs> Interesting, and I'm sure it trips up a lot of people, but... Yeah, especially people who are very young or very easily awed by big words. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I'm not sure I'm a materialist, really. Like, I'm not, I'm not, well, I guess I am if you define it in that, ah, my words, they're not wording <laughs> uh, dimensions, right? You know, there might be more out there, and obviously it's all going to be completely able to be explained, whether or not we will actually get around to explaining it, I don't know. But whatever exists will follow laws of reality and can hypothetically be subject to some sort of science. Uh, but I don't know if I believe that all that we are is molecules bouncing against each other. Mm. And I have issues with abiogenesis as i understand it and i know that we're getting closer to explaining the the origin of or is it origin i don't know how to pronounce that word of the big bang uh but i'm still a little unclear on that too doesn't mean i believe in god just right. i'm not sure you know the the, every- the two spots that are difficult to answer with certainty mm-hmm. so far as i now know we're down to like t- tiny tiny fractions of a second to before after the big bang happened but shit just gets really weird before that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plus, from within the universe, how can you see what happened before the universe? Mm-hmm. Right. Outside of time. All right. Well, thank <laughs> you very much for joining us. <laughs> thank you for having me. It was very fun. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Atheist Nomads. You can find us online at www.atheistnomads.com 
Contact us at contact at atheistnomads.com or leave us a voicemail message at 541-203-0666. You can also like us on Facebook or leave us a review on iTunes, Zoom, or wherever else you find the podcast. Until next time, this has been The Atheist Nomads. Some mucus bubble. I'll analyze your data.